Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Today we're going to talk about uh, stress. Would anybody like to hear what God has to say about stress today? I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to, you know, I don't know, Care Bears today. Just everybody's just so reference to the 90s some, and 80s. Uh, just carefree, you know, people. But uh, if, if you kind of wrestle with stress here and, and you'd like God's guidance on that, why don't you say amen? Just so I know who I'm talking to. Amen. amen. I was about 80%, uh, 20%. Um, the only reason why you didn't say amen it's because you're too stressed to, to, uh, to participate uh, in, this, in this message right now. You're like, can we get it going? I got to go home and work, please. Just enough of the games. Come on. I didn't come here for a comedy show. Um, so I get you. I get you. Chill out. And uh, I really think this is going to help you uh, today. Not that I need to support my case. Your amens were evidence enough. But studies have shown recently... <clears throat> last year, in fact, that three out of every four Americans, three out of every four Americans report not just struggling with stress, but actually experiencing the tangible physical symptoms of stress. Three out of every four. Physical symptoms, that is that a psychological phenomena is actually causing physical duress in their body. Symptoms such as Okay, you can just blink at me if you're one of these, all right? Headaches, back pain, rashes, heartburn, insomnia, forgetfulness, weight gain, (laughs) hair loss, blood pressure, and premature death. One of the greatest consequences of stress has recently just hit the United States, infertility has hit record highs. Last year, the U.S. experienced the lowest birth rate in 30 years. 30 years. Doctors have connected levels of day-to-day stress with lower chances of pregnancy. One doctor uh, at a Boston Infertility Research Department said that your body is so smart that it knows when you're stressed and that periods of stress are not good times to have a baby. It actually regulates your reproductive System. Now, that's just physical health. Let's not even venture too deep into the arena of mental health and what stress has done in that area. But I will share with you just two quick statistics. 59% of baby boomers, those are those who were born in the 60s, 70s and earlier. If you were born in 60s, 70s, earlier, come on, make some noise. Wave your hand. Where you at? Yes. We need you here at this church. Stay here. You got to help these young kids out. Need to lead small groups. Amen. And just, just, do, just do one. Talk about how to stick it out. Because we lack endurance. So glad you're here. Check this out. 59% of baby, baby boomers have never even been diagnosed with mental health issues. 59%, not once. 52% of Generation Z and millennials already have. That is to say that if you are a teenager or in your 20s, you are literally the most stressed out generation in United States history. 
<laughs> Somebody in the front was like, I know. Can we, just, can we just get this on, please? I need some, I need some help. <laughs> Let's cut the... <laughs> we want to help you today. We want to help you. Today. It also means that it's getting worse. And having observed this trend, I got to be honest, I've been wanting to preach on stress for a while now. But I've been waiting for the perfect topic. I've actually been waiting for this sermon series right here. I knew we were going to preach about this a long time ago. And been waiting right here um, because I thought that this topic would be the perfect segue into stress. Why? Because when all of those people from all different generations were surveyed, guess what their number one cause of stress was in their life? Money, 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 money. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It was money because really it doesn't matter how old you are. Everybody's trying to pay for something. I don't care where you are, if you're saved, not saved. That's the one thing that brings us all together. Maybe you don't love Jesus. Maybe, you know, you're just a whatever, devil worshiper. Even devil worshipers have bills to pay, okay? We all got bills to pay. It's a big part of our life, whether you're paying for college or saving up for your kid's college, whether you're trying to pay for a home or, or trying to find the right career path or paying off medical bills or here's something a lot of people aren't thinking about, but we're going to talk about it in Tomorrow Matters, saving for retirement. A lot of people are at that age now where they no longer want to be uh, working and they do not want to serve as greeters in Walmart. And they're asking themselves, do I have enough money to be able to, it's a little delayed, um, no knock on, on Walmart greeters. I'm thankful that we have a workforce that can give people opportunities, but I want to retire. I want to spend time with my family. And they're reaching an age now where they're thinking, I don't know that I have the money to be able to do this. Um, and uh, so we all wrestle with that. It literally impacts every aspect of our life. It could be why Jesus talked about money more than he did about any other topic in the Bible. Money was the number one most frequently cited topic in the entire Bible. Um, Jesus came in the New Testament and, and talked about it as well. One of his famous scriptures were Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. It says this, for where, everybody say where, where, where your treasure is, everybody say treasure, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That means that if my treasure's over there, my heart's over where? That's right. And if my treasure's over there, my heart's over where? All right. And if my treasure's back there, my heart's over where? And if my treasure's up and down, then my heart is up and down. I, I, I translated it this way. This is the JJ translation of this verse right here. Here's what it means. Your relationship with money determines the direction of your life. And if you don't think that's true, I will point to the thousands upon thousands of of young people entering the workforce, looking at college, asking themselves what their major is, and they don't really care if it's something that they enjoy. The question they're asking is what? And they will give two to six years of study and decades of service to a job they don't even like, but it has zeros in the paycheck. Their whole life has just been redirected by money. The whole life. They'll move for money. All of it. All, all, all for that. The number, I said this last week, the number two cause for divorce in married couples is money. Money. So, so what we're talking about, people will, will get together who love each other, argue, break up, fall apart because of the zeros, not in their paycheck, but because of the zeros in their bank account. Come on, somebody. It becomes stressful. So if your relationship with money determines your direction in life, let me ask you a very simple question. 
where are you going? Where are you going? Because how you see money says, where are you going? That's the same question Liz asked me pretty much all throughout our uh, 10 year anniversary trip to Europe. Where are you going? Um, she asked that because, you know, call me a victim of male stereotypes, but I just assumed it was my responsibility to know where we're going, how we're going to get there. And, uh, and I also had a lot of pride, if I'm going to be honest, because I grew up in New York. So, you know, I, I grew up in the public transportation system, you know, like I took a city bus to, to, to school. Like, that's how they do it in New York. People are like, you mean you took a yellow bus? Like, no, like the bus. Like, that's how they do it. Like the same bus everybody else took. That's the bus I took uh, to get to school. It was like me, Billy, and homeless John. And we were all on our way. The homeless John would tell us. He'd be like, stay in school. We're like, amen, homeless John. And so he would just kind of help us stay on track. And we would take the train. And I would even take a boat to church. You think I'm playing? I lived in Staten Island. And we had to take the Staten Island ferry to, to Brooklyn where my church was. So, I mean, I just, a master of transportation systems. Until we got to London. London, they don't have trains. They've got the tube. <laughs> the, the tube. The tube is what they call it. This is my London accent. It's starting to sound Australian. <laughs> but I got, I got in the tube, and, uh, and I was like, was, Vic Liz was like, we should ask for help. I'm like, My secret was I was going to use my GPS because I had this app. Like, if you're in any city, we'll tell you how to go. But in the tube, there's no reception. <laughs> so I started, well, I get around with maps. So I got the maps and, and I just, I guess, guys, to be honest, we just got lost. And I'm going to be uh, straight up. We got in some of the, like, this is a joke now. Wasn't a joke in October. We got in some of the worst fights in our marriage on our 10-year wedding anniversary. And most of them revolved around us being lost. All right. So we're in, the, we're in the tube system, and, and, and then she asked me this question, this question, which is never the question you ask someone who's lost. You never ask this question. Ladies, let me save you right now from an argument you don't need to have with your man. If it's obvious that he's lost, don't ask, where are you going? If I knew that... We would not be lost. But do you know where you're going? Yeah, I know where we're going. I've just passed the same newsstand six times because I'm sightseeing. So mad at her. Now, listen, to be honest, here's what I found out. She was the, later on, like, as I was preparing the sermon, she was the, hear me. Hear me, she was the target of my frustration, but not the source. And there are things that are stressing us out, in, in case this topic we're talking about today, and we are frustrated with people in our life and places in our life and events in our life. And I just got to ask you, are you mad at the right thing? Are, are, is that person or that place the target of your frustration or is it the source? I hate my job. You don't hate your job, you hate your paycheck. You got to target your frustration or you won't change the right things. You got to ask yourself that. And so we're fighting, we're fighting, we're fighting. And then in the middle of this fight, I turn around because I was just trying to leave the tube, y'all. I was just trying to get out, get some reception, figure it out. And I saw this sign. Whew. 
When I saw that sign, it was like the cloud lifted off of our marriage. Like if there were demons that were causing that fight from, to happen, like as soon as that sign came out, like the demons fled. Like, like we fell in love again once we saw the sign. We're like, oh, it's the way out. I'm so sorry I treated you like that. I know, we're so silly. And I just, because, hear me, I was stressed out because I didn't know the way out. And a lot of people came into church today and here's the best way to describe your scenario. You're trapped. You're, you're, you're under mountains of debt. You have no idea how you're going to get out. You got this home you want to purchase. You have no idea how you're going to do that. You just found out that, that social studies class in college cost you $3,000. You have no idea how that's going to happen. You're going to retire in five years. There's no way you can do it. And it's not even just with money, because I'm going to talk about a little more than money. I think a lot of people find ourselves in situations in life, like, like just relationships maybe, or, or maybe just like uh, just homes or things that we feel just stuck in and we're trapped and we feel like there's, there's no way out. I want to I help you today. That's actually the title of my message, This Way Out. Because I believe, am I pointing the right way? Amen. This way out. Because <laughs> I believe there is a way out. And I want to point that way out to you today. A way out from your addiction. A way out from your depression. A way out from your financial burden. There is a way out. Proverbs 22 verse 7 acknowledges this weight. When it says this, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower, say this word with me, is slave to the lender. So let me ask you a question. If you feel this way, it might be because you're serving the wrong master. Who is your master? Jesus said you can't have two masters. You either serve God or money. So listen, you can't be a slave of Visa and a servant of God. You can't. That's why they call the competitor MasterCard. It's your master. You can't be a servant of Jesus Christ if you're a slave to Sally Mae. Sally Mae is how we pay for our school tuitions, if you don't know. There's a challenge. And there's two defining characteristics of every slave, by the way. What they have and what they don't have. What every slave has is chains. What every slave doesn't have is a choice. Chains. Let me talk about chains. Chains are heavy. I used to do these, these dramas when I was younger in church called Human Videos. We don't do them anymore. Uh, but um, it was like I was always either Jesus or the devil. It was like I was never just the guy. And uh, whenever I played, like, guy number one, um, and it was never that guy, whenever I played the devil, they'd put on these, like, legit chains. It's the first time I'd ever carried chains. They were heavy, 50, 70 pounds. One time, the, our, our leader wanted to go all out, found 100-pound chains, and you had to do all these moves. And, and I was ministering to people, but I was not having fun because I had 100 pounds on my soldiers. You know, you can be in the perfect relationship, but if you're financially stressed, you can't really even enjoy that relationship because you got 100 pounds on your shoulder. You could be eating at a five-star restaurant, sitting across the table from somebody you're trying to impress. And that person's like, should we order the steak? And you're like, yeah. <laughs> totally, yeah, get the steak. I'll get the steak too. And you're cutting that $50, $60 steak, and, you, and you're eating it, and you can't even enjoy it because you got 100 pounds of change. You're like, mm, this is good. Yeah. Yes, I'll take the overtime. Yeah. <laughs> Can't enjoy it. You can be on vacation, Cozumel, uh, Napa Valley, and not even enjoy that, that glass of wine because you're thinking about the chains on you. When you get back home, how are you going to pay for that trip? 
Those are chains. Financial stress steals our joy and prevents us from living the kind of joyful life Jesus Christ died on the cross for us to experience. The other thing we, we don't have, that slaves don't have, is a choice. Do you know how when you're stressed financially, how there are things that you can't do that you would want to do but you can't do because you have no choice? You got to take certain jobs because they pay the bills. You have no choice. And I want to just sell you on choice. Could you imagine what it would be like to be able to have a choice for the first time in your life? Like if something breaks and you just have a choice to be able to fix it in cash, just a choice, wouldn't that be something? If someone's in need and you have the choice to help them because you can, because you're not financially strapped. If, if vacation, your greatest question isn't whether or not we can afford the trip, but your greatest question, what you're really stressing out about is where do we go? The beach or the mountains? Hot, cold. What do I want to do, swim or ski? You know, just that's what I'm stressing out about, my choices. What if you're married and, and, and not having to argue over money? Oh, what if you're single and you don't have to hide your debt until you get engaged? You know, you'd be like, will you marry me? <laughs> yes, awesome. That's amazing. You like that ring? She's like, I love it. She goes, do you really like it? I love it. Do you not want to give it back? I never want to give it back again. Cool, because I'm going to need your help on the payments. <laughs> That ring has got payments. I already got dead. Two become one. We'll work it out. <laughs> we'll pay this thing off together. Imagine the choice of getting married and being debt-free when you're married. Imagine the choice you give your kids. You grew up in poverty. Your parents grew up in poverty. But you say, generational poverty breaks with me. My kids will not be on food stamps. My kids will not have to live on welfare. My kids are going to get to decide what college they go to. They're going to have a choice. Yeah. I mean, I thank God for Valencia. Thank God for Valencia Community College. Liz went to Valencia Community College. I went to Santa Fe Community College. I went there because it was all I can afford. And I thank God for it. It gave me an opportunity to advance myself. I ain't hating on you. If you're in one of those schools, amen. All I'm saying is my kids are going to get to choose what school they go to. They're going to have a choice because of the way that I stewarded my finances. And so I'm going to give you three things really quickly that are going to help you. Since debt starts with D, I'm going to give you three things that start with a D also that will help you remember. The first is discipline. Didn't get one amen. Oh, you say it now. Nobody amens for discipline. Discipline hurts. But here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 25, 28. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a person who lacks what? That means this, you won't stop being stressed out until you learn to keep yourself in check. You can't, if you can't control your emotions, you won't be able to control your bank account. Do you remember the first time you saw a two-year-old at Walmart crying for they want something? You were probably a teenager and you know, you felt real, it starts off with sympathy. You're like, oh, poor kid, doesn't get what he wants. Then you get older and you're like, oh, poor parent. <laughs> Having to say no to their kid. And, but then you have kids. And then, and then there, you know, you go, because then you go from, from sympathy to cynicism real quick. Because then you look at that other person who's got them kids, now that you've got kids, and they're crying and you're going, mm, if that was my kid. <laughs> and I have kids now. And sometimes we have to discipline. Um, but you know what I've understood that the real challenge is? The real challenge is not criticizing someone else's two-year-old or even disciplining your own two-year-old. The real challenge is disciplining the two-year-old inside of you. Because there's a little two-year-old inside of all of us who says, I want, I want him, I want her, I want that, I want this, I want it, I want it, I want it. Well, for 39,000 easy payments of $100, <laughs> you can have it right now, 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 it's yours, it's yours. 
for 39,000 easy payments of $100, it's yours. Being a grandparent is good. You just give them back. And you got to have discipline. And let me just make this real practical. Can I, can I pick on the ladies first and then I'll talk to the guys? Ladies, give me permission. Say, you have permission. Here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you and your clearance rack. And don't you start with how many percent it is off. You walk past the clearance rack and that's all you see. 50% off, 70% off, 80%. Don't think of it. Here's, here's a helpful talk, thought. Don't think of it as 70% off. Think of it as 30% on. Okay? You're still paying money. How is it that your logic works that if you save enough money, you're making money? How does that work? My, my wife does this to me all the time. She's like a Jedi. She, she'll talk to me. She's like, it's buy one, get one, half off. I'm like, okay. She's like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, buy one, get one, half off. That's cool. She's like, and if you buy two, it's like getting a third free. I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And she's like, but if you buy four, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. She's like, you're making money. I'm like, well, I mean, whatever. You have the business degree. I got the ministry degree. So, I mean, if you say so, I, so do whatever you say. I'll take eight. You know, we'll retire early. I don't know. So, so, ladies, you know, so here's what you do. You'll, you'll kind of nickel and dime it. You'll, you'll, you'll save $5 here, but spend 20 And so you'll sink the ship, but you'll sink it in a nickel and dime type of way. Guys, you're not like that at all. You don't nickel and dime the ship sinking. You just blow it all up at once. You just, you just drop a bomb on that boat. She's like, I, I found it 70% off. You're like, I bought a boat. <laughs> bought a boat with matching jet skis. <laughs> babe, babe, now all we need is a house on the lake so we can use it. <laughs> so one shot, boom, gone, <laughs> everything. That's how we do it. But let me help you out. And this is what all of you came to church for today. This one sentence. We can literally close the sermon after this one sentence. Here's a go. We want to say no for a little while so we can say yes for the rest of our lives. You got to learn to say no for a little while so you can say yes for the rest of your life. Remember when Liz and I were younger, we, we, um, uh, I, got, I had three jobs. It was really cool. And all jobs worked together. Um, all my jobs wanted me to work there. So they did my schedule in a way where I can keep doing all three. So uh, on Mondays and Wednesdays, I was a youth pastor. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, I was a college professor. And on Fridays, I was with my family. And Saturdays, I traveled and preached. And on Sundays, I was at church. So I had an off day and everything. And I was making three jobs. And I was making good money. And I would be lying if the thought of a boat didn't cross my mind. I would just tell you that. But once the paycheck started coming in, I started asking us, what should we do with this paycheck? And we decided that we were going to pay off all of our debt. And so that's what we did. I had some um, grad school loans, completely paid them off. Uh, she had her car loan. We completely um, paid it off. And then as soon as we paid off everything, we said, well, what, what should we do now? And uh, we wanted to definitely buy some things. You know, and that's usually what happens. You get a raise and then your living expenses increase too. You don't even really feel that raise. So we was like, well, what should we do? And we started to pray about it. We prayed about it. Crazy idea, right? Like ask God what you should do about it. And we started feeling in our hearts. This is what the Lord told us. He said, 
you need to save your money because I'm going to ask you to do something really soon. And we didn't know what that was. Like, if you asked Liz today, um, she would tell you, like, we thought it was to be a missionary in Africa. That's what we thought it would be, which is totally not what we're doing right now. This is not Africa. And uh, it's Winter Park, and we know the difference, okay? And we know that on your front, all right? Um, at that same time, though, we were really thinking about buying a house in the most bougie neighborhood in all of Central Florida, Celebration, Florida. We had an appointment with the home builder, and uh, we got the tiles and all everything. Like, they, they build out a whole house for you. And they're like, we can do anything you want in the house. We can change the color of the carpet. Oh, it's yours. You build it as you please. And we can make the walls do anything. I'm like, well, I just kind of like my walls flat, but, you know, whatever. Just, you know, you want. And, and, uh, and so we came home. We had to make a decision. We decided, you know what? We're just going to obey God. And uh, six months later, we had no idea, but six months later, God put it in my heart and in her heart to start a church in Winter Park. And uh, it's not something that we were expecting, but I'm going to tell you something. Because we said no for those two years that we were working at the school, for the two years I was working at the school, we were able to say yes to that. The only way you can really plant a church today is by being full-time in it, but it doesn't pay. And so for a year, my wife and I went without a salary, without a salary, y'all. Like, I didn't have any money. And it was just living by faith and, and friends who would randomly send me checks in the mail. Somebody's like, well, I, you know, that never happens to me. I'm sorry. Uh, it happened to me. It kept me moving. Um, here's, my, here's my point. I said no. That this church wouldn't be here if we hadn't said no early on. We said no for a little while, and we said yes, not to the rest of our lives. We said yes to the best of our lives. This is the best. Now, here's my question. Here's my question, ladies. Here's my question, men. Um, what is on the other side of your no? By you saying no now, what doors and opportunities and callings are you saying yes to tomorrow? Because you said no now. What if what God wants to do in your life requires a sacrifice? Will you be in a position financially to be able to say, yes, Lord, I want to do what you want me to do? Or will you be burdened? Will you be able to start that business when you got $150,000 worth of debt? Will you be able to? It's on the other side of that no. And so you got to see it that way. Okay, here's the second thing. Direction. Direction, direction, direction. Um, Jay, what kind of car do you drive? A Nissan? That's cool. You can use. Can I use you for a moment? Would you mind coming on the stage for a moment? Come on. Yeah. Uh, Jay Velez. Give it up for Jay Velez. He's a great guy. That's comparable. What year is it? 2016. No, it's better than my car. You got to sit down. Uh, what are you driving? Chevy? What year? That, that's good. Come on. Come on. 2008. Give it up for what's your name? Lexi, I don't Lexi. Lexi, give it up for Lexi. Okay, Lexi, you drive a 2008 Chevy. Yeah. I couldn't use Jay. His car's better than mine. Uh, <laughs> I did this illustration the first time. The guy came up, he had a BMW. I was like, sit your butt down. It's also the guy who's doing the financial workshop. So, hey, that's who you want, teaching your financial workshop. Lexi, I'm going to give you a chance to win my car today. Stay there. Okay. All right. So, Lexi, look at the keys. Turn this way. Yeah. So, Lexi, I'm going to give you a chance to win my car. All you got to do, I'm going I'm to give you a chance every Sunday for a year. I'm going to give you a chance to win this car. It's a 2014 Ford Fusion. 2014 Ford Fusion, but it's got leather seats. But I didn't buy that because I was bougie. I bought that because I got kids and they spill stuff all over the floor. <laughs> 2014 Ford Fusion is great on gas. It's better than your 08 Chevy. Okay, so probably. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's got sentimental value. I don't know. In which case, I'm so sorry. Um, all you got to do, all right, I'm going to give you a chance every Sunday. All you got to do is get to that key. But here's the catch. You can only get there by taking one step. 
Okay, so someone would say, someone to die, I said jump. All right, but listen, Lexi's not an Olympic long jumper, okay? She's not going to make it. She's not going to make it, all right? All right, not going to make it. But maybe, or maybe you could maybe call a friend and ask for help. Maybe he could build some type of swing, you know, and be back there. It's like mechanical. Or you take your one step, step in the swing. He just levers you on over. I don't know. Weirder things have happened. Maybe you go home this week and you build a go-kart. You sit in the go-kart, you take your one step, and you got it. I don't know, but you can't use a vehicle, can't use mechanics. Do you have any idea how to make that happen? Let me help you. There is a way. It seems like she's trapped, but there's a way. Here's how you do it, Lexi. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Here's how you do it. Take one step. Now, everybody who's watching is like, you a lie. <laughs> she, she, she's still not there. All she took was one step. Yeah, but you missed what I said. I said I was going to give her a chance every Sunday. And if every Sunday she takes one step and the next Sunday she takes one step, and the next Sunday, she takes one step. One day, she will be where she wants to be, not because she did it in one fell swoop, but because she did it in one step. Can I take a minute to preach, not on finances, for just a second? Some of you guys are in a situation right now, and you keep asking God for the power to get you out of it. I want to be able to jump across. and The power, the power. Can I, can I, can I help you out? You don't need power. You need patience. The reason why this scenario never crossed Lexi's mind or y'all's mind is because you kept asking yourself the question, how do I get there? You should have asked the better question, am I headed in the right direction? Because I don't got to get there today and I don't got to get there tomorrow. But if I'm headed in the right direction, I know that I'll get there. So I'm struggling in my walk with Christ. I'm struggling with my character. I'm struggling with my sin. Well, guess what? Every Sunday, just come to church. Just take one step on Sunday. Come to small group. Take one step at small group. When you get up in the morning and pray, take one step in prayer. Open your Bible. Take one step in your Bible. We don't become perfect overnight. God doesn't heal our brokenness overnight. Somebody's broken in this place. Somebody did something in you. God, heal me tomorrow. He's not going to heal you in one swoop. But if you take one step and one step and one step and one step, he will heal you. But you got to take it steps at a time. Thank you, Lexi. For all the parents in the house, listen, whether you have a kid or if you want to have a kid one day, one day your kid will do something crazy that will make you question your child's salvation. I've been there. They break something and lie about it. Or they steal, or they seven, and they curse. That's my, I'm going through that right now. And I'm like, Jesus, right now, in the name of Jesus. I don't look like, it's crazy, but I'm just like, is he going to make it, you know? Let me help you, parents. You're going to get something in the mail, you're going to see it on Facebook. It's going to be, a, I'm going to save you money, it's going to be a $400 registration fee to a kid's conference. And the, and the tagline is going to be, send your kids to this conference. And they'll never be the same again. And, and you'll be tempted to try and figure it out in one fell swoop. In one fell swoop. But you really know how to change your child? Every night before you go to bed, you take your hand, you lay it on that little boy, and you lay it on that little girl's life, 
And you begin to declare promises over their life right now. In Jesus' name, I declare right now, my son or daughter will be a son or daughter of the most high God. They're going to love Jesus. They're going to worship. They're going to be kind to their neighbor. They're going to they're serve their community. In the name of Jesus, I, I, I bind right now all, de all depression, all addiction. Mental health has been running in my family, but it ends with this baby right here. In Jesus' name right now. I lay my hand on my little daughter. She was born out of wedlock to a father who doesn't care, but that will not be her destiny. She's going to find a man who's going to love her and treat her right. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, this every day you wake up, every day you go to bed, one step, one step, one step, and it's the prayers of the righteous man that availeth much. Just one step after one step. Well, my son and daughter's already left home. I've missed that opportunity. That's okay. God knows no distance. Wake up this morning, tomorrow morning when you wake up, and right when you have your cup of coffee, God, I pray for my son living on the other side of the country right now, but you have a plan over his life. It works with money. It works with money too. If I were to give everybody in this room, listen, an opportunity to win $3 million today, right now, $3 million right now, or everybody's like, I don't need to hear the rest of that. I will take $3 million right now. I will take that. Or a penny a day that doubles in value, but for only 31 days. Straight up, what would you take? Raise your hand right now. For those who would take the three million, raise your hand right now. You take the three million. The rest are all like, I know where he's going with this. But if you did it, come on, three million dollars right now, or a penny a day that doubles for 31 days, what would you take? Majority of us, all of us who are honest and didn't just hear this message, would jump on three million dollars. Let me show you something real quick. On day five, you would have 16 cents. That person would have $3 million. You're looking like quite the dummy right now. But on day 10, whoops, $5.12. That person's got $3 million sitting pretty thinking, so, so dumb, just silly. Should've took the $3 million. On day 20, you got $5,200. $42. The other person's got $3 million. You only got 11 days left. Looks like you made a dumb choice. I'm sorry. You missed out. You should have took the $3 million when you got the chance. Here's day 31. On day 31, you have $10,737,418. Almost $11 million. You just tripled what that other person had. But here's the catch. It didn't even get close to three million until the last three days. That's how it works, you see? You do the little things, nobody notices, over and over and over. Nobody cares, you're not winning the prize, you're not getting an award. Just little things, over and over and over. And on the last three days, you see the true value of all of your investment. Man, I wish there was an analogy or a metaphor or a historical figure whose true value wasn't revealed until the third day. I wish there was somebody I could preach about who would testify that, that being buried might not be the worst thing for you. I wish there was somebody I could talk about that could illustrate how you could spend an entire life in obscurity when no one knows who you are, but on the last three days. Oh yeah, that's right. Jesus, who absolutely rescued planet Earth and if, you, and if you don't know the Bible, you think he rescued it in three days. Resurrected, everybody's praising him and giving him, you did it, Jesus, you're awesome. But do you know why he was able to resurrect on the third day? 
because he lived 33 years of obedience and faithfulness. Have you ever thought about why God sent Jesus as a baby and not a grown man? Like if I was God, I would have just sent him as a 33-year-old, get this thing over with. I want to rescue the planet already. Come on, send him down with a, like a grown man. You know, like just, like he's got to be born of a woman. I don't know how we're going to make that happen. But just go, boom, 33. <laughs> That's it. Save the world. Dies and resurrects on the same day. Wouldn't have been possible. Why? Because death was reserved for sinners. So in order to resurrect on the third day, he had to live 33 years of obedience. The power of the resurrection isn't in a, in, a, in, a, in a moment. The power of resurrection is in the process. And that's what God knew. And so that's why God's not giving you your moment. Because if he gave you your moment right now, you wouldn't be able to do what you think you want to do. He's got to push you through a process so that you can get that moment. This is an example of compound interest, but I'm not talking about compound interest anymore. I'm talking about compound choices. What are the choices that we're going to make every day? Today we have a choice. Right now, I want to give you that opportunity, a choice to say, my God, I give you my life. You want to talk about the worst debt ever? Let me talk to you about the worst debt ever. The worst debt is the sin that we carry on our hearts. You want to talk about chains around our necks? You know, $20,000, $50,000, $100,000, that's a lot. But here's the good part. When you die, you leave it all here. That's the good part, at least of that. Like, Although that's not so good if death is your thumbs up, you know, like if death is your optimistic moment. I got a lot of debt, but boy, when I die, somebody else's problem. Right? We don't want to be in those situations. Hear me, but there is a debt that carries over afterlife. It's the debt of our choices that we've made. Debt of the people that we met led us astray. The debt of things we shouldn't have said people we should never hurt. It's heavy. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus came with a blank check. So whatever your debt is, I can fulfill it. I can fulfill it. All you got to do is ask me to. That's the gospel. It's good news. It's with every head bowed and every eye closed in this room. If you're one of those people who carry a debt, I want to give you an opportunity to have that check paid, to have that bill covered. Here's your moment. A God who is willing and able to cover every infraction, every insecurity, every weight, every hurt. If you're here today in this room and you want to make that decision to start fresh. Well, what happens if I go back to my regular life on Monday? This is your new regular life, a life of grace. He doesn't just cover every sin you've committed. He covers every sin you will ever commit. That's grace. He's with us for the long haul. That's you when I say three. I want you to shoot your right hand up to the sky. I need you, Jesus, all over this place. One, two, three, right now. Come on, shoot your hand high. Hey, come on, I see that hand. 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 Really too many to count, but you can go ahead and put it down. Journey Church, don't leave us alone. We're going to pray for those who raise their hands, but we're going to pray this prayer like if it's us praying this prayer because we need to. Worship team, same. Let's pray this prayer. If you raised your hand, even if you didn't, let's pray this prayer all over this building. My God, I got to wait. And it's heavy. It's been on me for years. But today I heard that you take weight 
you cover debt. Take my way and cover my debt. Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.